We're going we're, we're gonna to continue our generosity um, conversation. We have this week and next week. And then how many of you are sick of being generous already? You're like, geez, could we just move on? This whole generosity thing is just getting on my nerves. People around me smiling. They're happy. Why can't we go back to the old cranky church? It's much easier just to be cranky. Hopefully you found out that generosity brings joy to you and joy to the people you're generous to. Amen. And so we're going to talk today about being generous with your stuff. How many of you have stuff? Raise your hand if you got a little bit of stuff. All right, we'll get into this. Why don't you stand one more time for the to honor reading the word? Paul's writing to Timothy in his first letter to Timothy. He is encouraging him how to lead the church in Ephesus. So we're going to start in verse 6. It says, teach and urge these, chapter 6 of 1 Timothy. Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dis- dissension, slander, and evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who, have, who are depraved in mind and depraved of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare. Into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. I think I'm going to skip down to verse 17 here. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. Nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus storing up for thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Father, we thank you this morning. Week after week, we get together like this and we look into your word and your promises is true every time we look into it that it will transform us. So we pray that you open up our hearts so we could receive it, open up our minds, that we could think about it. And then we pray, Lord, that you change both for your glory and for the benefit of others. Pray your gospel would go forth farther and wider because we were together today. Thank you for it. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Paul is writing to Timothy. He's instructing him on how to handle circumstances. And he's, he starts off in chapter 6. Timothy is leading the church in Ephesus which is a port city, and it's very, very wealthy, very prominent, very influential. And what comes along with those type of societies that everybody knows everything? 
And so Paul tells Timothy, hey, if, if anybody disagrees with the doctrine of Jesus' teaching uh, and they're just wanting to argue about words, it's not worth it. How many of you know that you don't have to give an opinion? That there is no rule anywhere on the planet that says, if asked a question, you must give a response. You do realize that, realize that, don't you? The older I get, the less I care. Now hold on. The less I care to give my opinion on everything. Because what I realize is, is sometimes it traps me. I don't like being trapped. So I just would rather be quiet about some things. You do it the way you do it. I'll do it the way I do it. And I'll keep my opinion to myself. You do realize there's more than one way. Should I say it? To skin a cat. But Paul is telling Timothy, listen, there are some people around you. There are some people in the church that can't help themselves. They got to give an opinion about everything. They got to argue about pointless words and they got to, they got to get into these big debates and they're, they're off track. And he said they were actually using godliness for their gain. And then he goes down and he says, commitment or or godliness with contentment is great gain. And he says, look, we didn't come into this world with anything. We're going out with the same amount of stuff. Nothing. Well, what he does tell Timothy in verse 17, he says, hey, don't ignore the fact that you live in a rich town. Don't ignore it. He says, tell those that are rich to live a certain way. Not to put their hope in things that they have, but in the one who freely gives it to them. Not to, he says, be ready and willing to share. So we're going to talk about that today. How many of you got some stuff? You got some stuff. I've, we've said this before here at Hope Community Church, but I, I, I want to make sure you understand this. Many of you in this room this morning do not consider yourself rich. The, the reason why is you're comparing yourself to other rich people. So when all of us are about the same or around the same socioeconomic status, nobody looks rich. Do you understand that? If everybody's driving a Lamborghini, a Lamborghini's not special anymore. So what happens is we compare ourselves to the people that are immediately around us and then we don't think we have very much. So I would like to make sure you're aware that, that I've, I've been in countries where everything the guy owned was on him. There wasn't a storage container somewhere. I've been in countries where, where the, where his monthly income was $150. And so we live in a country, now remember the other day, there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. This is not a condemning sermon. This is a, 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 an opportunity for you to come to a realization that you are rich. That if we want new cars, we just go buy new cars. That if you want to go out to eat, you just go out to eat. Four, five, six, seven times a week. Maybe you're trying to tell your spouse something. I find it 
funny that we all build garages, but none of our garages house the cars we drive. Because your garage is full of stuff. So when we fill up the garage full of stuff, then we work down into the basement. And that play area that used to be for the kids now has turned into a storage room for stuff. And then when we fill that up along with our garage and our neighbors realize that we're just like them, we drive downtown and we purchase a storage unit. Because there's nothing better than storing stuff where you can't immediately get to it. It's like the perfect environment. You buy so much stuff, you go rent property from someone else to store your stuff. And then what happens is you die and your kids don't even know you had that stuff. Dad had a, dad had a storage unit full of stuff? Who knew? In 30 years, we never went there. We have stuff. When we, when we get stuff, five years into the stuff that we liked becomes not so desirable anymore. We don't throw it away. We keep it. We get more stuff. So I need to make sure you understand that our society is the exact society Paul was instructing Timothy about. We can walk around with $1,000 cell phones in our pocket. 30 years ago, as little as 30 years ago, we would have all laughed people right off the stage if they said, you'll spend $1,000 on the phone to put in your pocket one day. He said, I got my rotary phone for $19.99 from Walmart. $1,000 on a phone? And then we even spend $1,000 on Android phones. I don't, even, I don't know how you do it. That's a joke. Look at your neighbor and say, I know you have stuff, so do I. Tell him. Tell him. I know you got a lot of stuff. Now, here's what I want to make sure you understand. Because there was some time in church history that we were not allowed to enjoy the stuff that God had given us. If we, if God had blessed us with a nice house, we would say, well, it's a lot of work. How many, how many of you are hard, hard taking a compliment like that? Any, if, if somebody says, man, that's a nice car. You're like, well, the payment's too high. Man, that's a, you got a really nice house. Oh, well, you know, it's a lot of grass to keep up with. I look at people like that. I'm like, just take the compliment. You got a nice house. You got a nice car. But we, some of us grew up in a realm, in an age where you weren't allowed to enjoy the stuff God gave you because, because that would be sinful if you actually enjoyed anything on the planet. So God blesses us with stuff, but we've got to be like, no, that's not, there's nothing fun about that. There's nothing fun. Nobody needs a car that goes that fast. Nobody. And so we struggle with the idea that God blesses us with things for our enjoyment. 
Do you realize that? The clothes you wear, the shoes you have on. God did not want you to wear a pair of shoes that hurt your feet. Why would he go buy a pair of shoes that fit well? It's the blessing of God. Go buy clothes that fit well. It's the blessing of God. Go buy a house that you like. It's the blessing of God. And when God blesses you, he wants you to smile about it. Because what we don't understand, we inadvertently tell everybody that God is blessing us. But when we go around moaning about the blessing he's poured out on us, it, it causes people outside the church to go, well, I don't want that kind of blessing. So scripture actually instructs us to be joyful in what God gave us. Come on, this should free some of you. You're like, you mean I really get to enjoy it? Yes. Yes, he wants you to enjoy it. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything Now, he didn't really mean that. I mean, how can you, how can you enjoy something as trivial as a car? Come with me. I'll show you how to enjoy it. <laughs> Drive it like you stole it. That's how you enjoy it. <laughs> I haven't gotten a ticket in a long time. You got to know where you can drive it like you stole it. Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Listen, if you give your kid a gift, if you give your spouse a gift, you give your boyfriend or girlfriend a gift, you give your best friend a gift, and they get the gift and they go, well, that's obviously a blessing. I'm not really sure I can be that happy about it. You know, God wants us to have a contrite heart. He wants us to be serious people who aren't swayed back and forth with every new iPhone that comes out. No, no, no. If he gave it to you, he intended for you to enjoy it. So just like if you gave something to somebody with the intention for them to enjoy it, and they just, well, I don't know. No, I gave it to you to enjoy. Amen? So we have to get out of this idea that we have to make excuses for the blessing that God put in our life. You live in America, you should enjoy it. You're like, we're so wasteful. Okay, be sad about that. Whatever. I'm going to enjoy living in America. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm going to enjoy heat in my house when I wake up. Somebody say amen. I'm going to enjoy air conditioning. I know you don't need it to live, but God chose to give it to me. So should I wake up in the morning and tell the kids, when I was your age, we didn't have remote controls. Don't you be happy about that TV remote. Did God bless you, dad? Yeah, but it was painful. It's a painful blessing. And you'll learn one day. It just doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make any sense to the people that are outside of this building. 
God did give us stuff and he gave us stuff to enjoy. Amen? So we have to get that through, through our heads sometimes that it's okay to live in the blessing of God. Now, before you think, oh, he's name and claim it. He's, he's a, we're all getting rich. I'm going to keep coming back to this church because everybody's getting rich. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, if God gave it to you, he intended for you to enjoy it. Maybe, maybe, oh, I shouldn't say it, but I will. If he gave you a spouse, stop acting like it's, it's on your everlasting nerve. Enjoy it. If he gave you kids, some of you are like, I'm, I'm waiting on that one. They're like four years old. God intended you to enjoy your stuff. Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse 18. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days This life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to. Enjoy them. To accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. There is no biblical purpose in having things and not enjoying them. There's no purpose in having nice things and not enjoying them. Did you hear that? There's no purpose in having nice things and still being upset all the time. No purpose. But what he does say is godly contentment is great gain. So the key to enjoying it is being content in in what you have. So I'm content in what I have. I like my house. I like my wife. I like my kids. So early. I like all that. So God gave all those things to me. He gave me things at the house that I like. A tractor and an old truck. He gave me those things. And now I get to enjoy them. And enjoyment comes out of the contentment that God gave it to me. And I don't have to go chasing after somebody else, something else. I can just enjoy it. Amen? Goes back to the old phrase. If the grass looks greener on the other side, you should water yours. Contentment, right where you are, allows you to enjoy what you have. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. (laughs) If you can't be happy with what you have, you'll never find it in what you don't have. If you can't be happy with what you have, you will never find it in what you don't have. Godly contentment causes us to be joyful about, man, I'm going to enjoy this. So that's the, I, I believe that's an important thing. If he gave us stuff to enjoy, that's the first step. Because now, now we have to realize then when we share those things, when we share what we have, what did Paul tell Timothy? He said, be ready and willing, be ready to share. 
So when we share those things, we're sharing our hope in him, not our hope in things. You know, it's easier to share things when your hope is not in those things. Now, I've I've got some old stuff that my dad had and my granddad had. And what I realized was I could lock those things up until I'm dead and gone. Because they're antiques. Or I could take them out of the thing and enjoy them with my son. Because they were meant to be enjoyed. So I have, I have, I have two. I could, my hope is that they will never get destroyed. My hope is that he won't scratch them. My hope is that he will, he will keep it clean. My hope is that he won't destroy it. My hope is, my hope is in this. No, my hope is in the one who gave it to me. So if he gave it to me to enjoy, he also intended on me sharing it for the enjoyment of others. So what happens is my hope has to be in him, not what he gave me. Because if my hope is in what he gave me, I will buy more storage containers than you can count and I'll lock it all up. Because I can't lose it. I can't lose it. The rich fool, the rich fool that Jesus talks about planted his crop and got massive, a massive harvest in return. What did he do? Then share it. He just more storage containers. They called them barns back then. I don't know if any of y'all know that terminology, but called them barns back then. Didn't have padlocks on them. What he didn't realize is his ability to enjoy what God had given him was getting ready to run out because his life was ending. So, so Jesus was painting the picture. You had an opportunity to enjoy it yourself and enjoy it with other people. And you chose just to stack it up. So his hope was in what he had, not in the one who gave it to him. And so we need to understand that he gives us things to enjoy, but not to take his place. Amen. Stuff should not replace him. I can enjoy it, but then realize ultimately he's the one that gave it to me. So my hope, my hope doesn't shift when things become old. You know what I like? Uh, any more experienced people in the house this morning? When I say experienced, you got maybe got a little gray hair. I call that experience, not old. Got some experience. Anybody remember like your 1967 wheel horse lawnmower that you're still driving? All the young people are like, why would you do that? It still runs. You realize everything we make today is throwaway. Mm, Watch it. Watch this. So if you're putting, so in today's culture, we're putting our hope in things that are absolutely disposable. I was at a guy's house. I think I was at your dad's house. I think he had some old lawnmowers that were still there, still ran, still worked. If you get a flat tire on your lawnmower today, they say, just throw it away. Throw the whole thing away. We, we can't fix a tire, just throw the lawnmower away. Everything's disposable. And so the warning I'm giving you this morning is when we put our hope in things that are disposable, we're going to get disappointed over and over and over and over again. But, but when we put our hope in the one who has no time, who has, who has no limitations, who has, who has no, uh, nothing that he can't do, then we never get disappointed. Amen. 
So we have to realize that we live in a disposable world. And when we put our hope in those things, we're going to get disappointed. So sharing is way easier when our hope is dependent on things. Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches. If you're in the stock market, you realize it goes up. And the same way it goes up, it comes down. It's just the way it works. Hopefully it doesn't come down as far. But riches are here today and gone tomorrow. So watch this. Ultimately, we're enjoying how God is taking care of us. That's what we're enjoying. We're enjoying how God is actually taking care of us. So when we have nice things, we can pray this prayer. Lord, you are taking care of me. Thank you. My hope is not that I'll never lose the nice things, but I can enjoy this moment where it seems like you're just really, man, you're taking care of me. This is awesome. Thank you. I'd like a black Ferrari. If you're, if you need a list. Matthew chapter six, verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Feel a little faith. Jesus is teaching there and he says, listen, why are you so anxious about things? The God who makes grass disposable, but makes it beautiful in spite that it's gone tomorrow. How much more will he take care of you so you can enjoy your life? How much more will he do that? So stop being anxious. Stop, stop putting your hope in things. Sharing becomes easier when our hope isn't dependent on things. So he says, Timothy, tell the rich people, tell us, tell us to be ready to share. Be generous and ready to share. Luke chapter three, verse 11 says, and he answered them, whoever has two tunics is a share with him who has none and whoever has food is to do likewise. Watch this. If you're standing outside freezing your butt off and somebody walks by you with two coats and hands you one of those coats, what's going to happen? You never thought a coat could bring that much joy. The beautiful thing about stuff is as much joy it can bring to you, it can also bring that much joy to somebody else. So at the end of the day, stuff is more enjoyable when enjoyed by others. Your stuff is more enjoyable when it's enjoyed by others. Acts chapter 2, verse 44, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belonging, distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day... Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You know what that's a recipe for? That's a sharing recipe for growing the church. It says, if I had it and you needed it, I'll give it to you. And we'll sit down and eat it together. Because if you know me, I don't like eating by myself. So it brought great praise to God and it gave them, it gave them a great reputation with the people. And it said the church was added on a daily basis. What were they doing? 
It didn't say they were standing outside the street preaching. It didn't say they were doing, it didn't say they had an organized outreach program. It said they just shared with each other. And when people saw how generous they were with each other, they went, whoa, oh, give me some of that joy. I'm going to give me some of that joy. So sharing what you have, you realize what you have is more enjoyable when you share with others. And so I want to challenge you this morning. What do you have in the sea container? What do you have in the storage unit? What do you have in the basement? What do you have? Do you, you think, man, if I included somebody else, if I shared this with somebody else, it would bring great joy to it. It could be anything. It could be a car. It could be a house. It could be, I mean, share a house. It takes a little bit of commitment. Might want to do a background check. <laughs> it could be anything. So, so I realize God wants me to enjoy it, but he also gives me the opportunity to cause other people to enjoy the same thing he gave me to enjoy. And I ultimately have to realize that, that I'm enjoying him, not just what he gave me. So watch this. So I need to start thinking in my head, God, what have you already gave me? Because you notice there was no instruction to the people in Ephesus. He did not tell Timothy, Timothy, tell them to go out and get more stuff so that they don't have to share what they already have. You heard it. Well, if I had this, I would do that. No, he didn't tell him to go get more stuff. He said, with whatever you have, be ready to share. So I got a little video I'm going to play. It's a, it's a bit of a tearjerker at the beginning. But I got a little video I want you to watch from the I Like Giving website, Brad Forsma, and they they put a lot of videos out like this. But it's a it's a neat way to share some cars. Check this out. Cancer doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care about age, or race, or how big your bank account is. When it strikes kids, it's absolutely devastating. Every parent's worst nightmare. The thought of my own children being in this situation kills me. collect exotic cars like trophies just to look at them they're more than that really cars are created to be driven I was thinking to myself there has to be something better that we can do with these cars hello I'm Adeline and I'm 7 years old and I fought leukemia I threw up a lot, I cried a lot. I didn't feel that great at all. My name is Jake, I'm 10 years old and I'm fighting OPD. OPD stands for Otopalatal Digital Syndrome. I've had two respiratory failures and 21 surgeries. tour 
the Dream Drives Garage. This is uh, so cool. And we're gonna pick a car, like maybe this super red Ferrari, and you and I are gonna go for a drive. Isn't that cool? <laughs> All right, go ahead and just climb yourself on in there. like the kids we work with are going through a nightmare and we're trying to offer them a dream. Eric had fun in his clothes driving them around but he would have more fun sharing them with other people. It just feels like what you're supposed to do. You know, it feels right to share and to be generous, regardless of your station and their station in life. And it's good to do it in unique ways. It's not about the car. It's about the person. Being willing to create a unique and special experience for a child. kids come through this garage who've been dying. We've met with kids who have since died. And seeing the joy in their eyes and the joy in their parents' faces when they're not thinking about being sick is an incredible feeling. That's a great video. So maybe you don't have a Ferrari. If you do, I'm free after church. I need to smile a little bit. Maybe you don't have a Ferrari, but what do you have? What do you have that could bring joy to somebody else? What do you have that could bring enjoyment to another person? What do you have maybe in the basement or what do you have locked up that you've been afraid to get out that, that you could call somebody and say, hey man, I want to spend the day with you. We're just going to enjoy doing this. The trick is this, verse 18, they are to do good, be rich in good works, and be generous and ready to share. That terminology Paul uses there when he's talking to Timothy isn't just ready, like sitting back, ready for a phone call. No, he's talking about actually looking for an opportunity. Looking for an opportunity. Not just sitting back going, hey, well, if somebody needs something, they know my number. But actually looking for an opportunity to be generous towards others. Actually training yourself to see how you can bring joy in somebody else's life. So Paul, Paul's telling Timothy, don't sit back and wait. You figure it out. Just like these guys with the cars. We could either lock them up and, and wax them every week, or we could take kids out and put a smile on their face. Be ready, not just willing, but ready and willing. Look for an opportunity. Be creative. Think outside the box. Could be something, could be something small. It could be something big. But all of us have things in our life right now. All of us have stuff that has brought us pleasure, brought us enjoyment. That God is saying, "Okay, spread it around. You don't have to get rid of it. You don't. You don't have to be upset. You can spread that joy around. You can bring a smile to somebody else's face, and you can let them know that the God of all the universe, who loves you, blessed you with it. Amen." When we share, we're allowing the thing that brought joy to us bring joy to someone else. 
Come on, stand to your feet. I'll tell you this one last thing. Can I just say this? I've been broke and I've had stuff and I like having stuff better. Anybody else? It's, it's a funner life. They say money can't bring you happiness, but it helps. Let me say this to you. There is no extra spiritual blessing just because you're poor. And there's no extra spiritual blessing just because you're rich. Nobody gets any more favor with God one way or the other. It's how we handle what he has already given us. That's it. That's it. How do we steward what he's put in our hands? So we're going to lock it up. We're going to store it away for 20 years. And hopefully, hopefully rats haven't eaten it. Or are we going to say, God, how this week could I take what you've given me and put a smile on somebody else's face? How can I do that? Because here's the bottom line. The real value of what we have is measured by how much joy it can bring somebody else. The real value of what you have is measured by how much joy it'll bring some, someone else. I'm going to tell you, I see a whole bunch of people in here that could put smiles on tons of people's faces this week. Just say, hey man, you know what? I was looking for an opportunity. I just wanted to bless you. I just wanted, I just wanted you to have a good week. You need this? You need this? Man, I got one. You can have it. And we could be more like that first century church where it said they just came together and everybody was praising God because nobody did without. People enjoyed each other's presence. People, would, I don't know about you, but if you don't have any food, somebody gives you food. That's enjoyable. Amen. If you don't have a coat, somebody gives you a coat. That's enjoyable. So my prayer is that when we leave this building today, that we walk out and just what happened to the first century church when they shared people around started paying attention and the church grew not because they had some slick campaign not because they were not because their building was great but because they treated they shared with each other amen and they shared with everyone around them so father we ask you that this morning lord we ask you to help us be creative with what we already have lord we ask you to help us to purposefully look for opportunities be be diligent about it opportunities to share what we have with others. And we pray, Lord, we start measuring what we have according to how much joy it can bring someone else. We pray that we put all of our hope in you, not the things we have. And God, I pray that this time next week, there be more enjoyment from what we have because others enjoyed it. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Thank you for your blessing in our lives. And thank you for the joy that you've already brought us. Help us to spread that this week. Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, could you give him praise and honor this morning? He's good. Amen. And listen, check out that team fair before you leave. We'll see you back here next week.